Welcome to the Hidden Orchard Podcast. On this podcast, we will explore the deeper concepts and the intersection of Jewish wisdom, the New Testament, and science. We will bring you fascinating insights from the ancient and modern sources, all with the goal of improving and getting the most out of life. Visit our website at thehiddenorchard.com to subscribe to our newsletter and get more information like this. Now, today's episode. I love music. I'm not as much into television and movies, but it's rare to find me not listening to something, whether it's music or background audio for study or even a podcast. But music plays a pivotal role in the human experience. Since ancient times, cultures have used music in worship and religious rituals, also to tell stories, share ideas, prepare for war, and even meditate. In the times of the temple in Jerusalem, Psalms and other verses from the Torah would be sung as offerings were carried out. Because music aids in spiritual transitions, we also see this to the songs some sing to welcome in Shabbat. For centuries, many religious Jews have also sung what are called nigunim, a nigun, in preparation for study or spiritual elevation. Holy music is powerful. But what about when music is not holy or made by people who are not virtuous? Is there any danger we should be aware of from a spiritual level? All of us probably have our favorite types of music and playlists. We have a playlist for exercising, studying, reading, and possibly a few in between. This is because the different types of music seem to have an inherent emotional energy that we're tapping into for a specific purpose. Music can import nonverbal content that can invoke strong emotions. If you don't believe me, Find a song from one of your angsty teenage years. As you listen to the song, pay close attention to your inner space and the subtle inner reactions of the emotion and the mind. And then read the lyrics separately, silently to yourself without the music. And you'll see it's not the same. There's something about the combination here, and we're going to explore it. This combination is known in Jewish tradition, and it factors into the yearly observance of the holidays and various customs. Most of the year, music remains a staple of celebrations, weddings, holidays, synagogue service. However, in times of mourning, the rabbis have placed a temporary ban on music to assist us in maintaining the appropriate emotional range of sadness and mourning. Among the prohibitions, when someone sits shiva, mourning the loss of a loved one, music is not permitted. Yet, recognizing the importance of music on the human psyche, Some rabbinic authorities have allowed for specific types of music during certain times of prohibition, provided they don't include instruments. Of further interest, there's also a prohibition against live music in these times, suggesting that there's something worth exploring, maybe something more potent when you're listening to live music versus recorded. Nevertheless, another dimension that we're going to take a look at is how information is shared through music. Another dimension is the information that is shared through music. The concept of subliminal messaging has long suggested that hidden or subtle messages, often imperceptible to the conscious mind, can actually get behind our guards and influence the listener's thoughts and behavior. While some remain skeptical about the intentionality behind such an idea, we can recognize that thoughts and ideas do indeed enter the mind through music. It's also been studied that music impacts certain brain structures, and this has been used to treat psychiatric disorders 
anxiety and depression and other ailments. On the positive side though, we see this is why Jewish children have been traditionally taught to memorize Torah verses through song. The mind seems hardwired to more easily remember words accompanied by a melody. While discussing the content of modern mainstream music with a friend, a few weeks ago we were talking about this, they related to me an experience where they were exposed to unreasonably crude music, popular music at that, for a while while they sat in a car. I felt like I needed a detox, my friend told me. And we've all had that experience. I recall arguments that insisted certain genres of music repeatedly exposed young kids to destructive ideas outside of their appropriate maturity level. They would be given ideas that they're not ready for, was the argument. At the time, I didn't really know what to think about that. But the older I get, the more convinced I am that this is the case. But I also think there's something deeper going on. Nevertheless, catchy lyrics, when repeated, can embed themselves in your mind for years, for better or for worse. So it seems reasonable to assume that long-term exposure to negative lyrical content and less productive, we'll call it, emotional frequencies may adversely influence us over time. What impact does this have on the soul, though? Could the music we indulge in regularly sabotage our spiritual development? In the classic work, Lakute Mohoran, Rabbi Nachman discusses the influence of music on the human soul. He warns that the spiritual status of a singer, the condition of that singer, can be imported to the listener. That is to say, if we listen to music created by wholesome or virtuous people, that aids our service of the Creator. And the opposite is also true. He explains this is because the faculty of singing comes from the same spiritual dimension as prophecy. When we listen to a fallen form of speech and singing, it comes from a place of unholiness, known in the Kabbalah as the Sitra Achra, otherwise known as the side of evil. Through this contact, we find ourselves in a degree of spiritual impurity. As speech is connected to the level of Ruach, the level of the soul, uh, connected to emotion, we can now better understand the influence this has in short-circuiting our growth. Another addition to this teaching, he adds, profanity increases spiritual damage. So we're well aware of the damage of Lashon Hara, which is evil speech. We've talked about that many times on the site. But from this, it seems to me that music may play a role in escalating this problem. While this is a larger discussion, I'll leave it to you to consider how you might define what is profane and what is holy. Either way, the writings of the Kabbalists indicate that there is more to this than appears on the surface. If interested, consider purchasing the work Lakute Mohoran. It's a deep book and explores more of these ideas in its pages. It's well worth it. So here's some ideas we can invest in to consider if this is an opportunity of area for us to grow and how we might set up some healthy fences. First, take a few minutes and inventory the music you listen to regularly. Maybe spend five to 10 minutes, clear out any harmful songs, or pick the setting that blocks explicit language in your music app. Next, consider the words you use. Maybe you wanna remove a few from your vocabulary. Any effort in this space is considered progress. And in time, we'll find ourselves climbing higher in our spiritual development. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information like this, again, visit our website, thehiddenorchard.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter and look out for other articles posted there throughout the weeks. Reach out to us and let us know what you think of the show. Until next time, have a great week.